Are you blessed, church? It's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I got something that I want to share with you. Hallelujah. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Genesis 22, verse number 5. Genesis 22, verse number 5. I'm not necessarily going to preach this whole story. I'm just going to use it as a backdrop. Hallelujah. So we can have a conversation on today. Amen. It's going to be a little different. Amen. I want to have a conversation with the worship team. And then I'm just going to let all you listen in on it. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to talk about worship. Do I got any worshipers in the house? Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's read this text. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I want to read it one more time. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder. We're going to go to another place in worship and come again to you. Amen? So I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, the journey of worship. The journey of worship. Just in case you did not know, let me just throw it out there real quick. Worship is not just a song. Worship is a journey. I said worship is a journey. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, add blessing to your word now. Minister to your people in a very powerful way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let me begin by giving you a quick definition of the word worship. Uh, this is a very simple definition, hallelujah, but it pretty much sums it up. And it is simply this. Worship is an expression of worth. I said worship is an expression of worth, an expression of value. The word worship comes from the English word, watch this, worth-ship. And so when you're worshiping, you're showing your God how much he is worth to you. It is an expression of worth. Let me say something that's going to uh, bring some tension in the room right away. Amen. Everybody worships. I'm going to say that one more time because some of you are saying, no, not everybody, but everybody worships. Amen. The question is, what do you worship? Amen. But everybody expresses, watch this, their worth to something. Are you following what I'm saying in here? So everybody worships. The real question is, what is it that you worship? And here's another thing I want you to catch. Um, if God chooses you to be a worshiper, you have to understand that worship then has an effect on us. I said worship has an effect on us. Let me just submit to you that God is not insecure, nor does God need your, your affirmation. Uh, need you to say nice things to him so he can feel good. Uh, if you understand that, then you begin to understand that worship has an effect on you as well. There's something that happens to you when you worship. In other words, worship is not a means to an end. Worship is the end. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, worship is not a means to an end. Worship actually is is the end. So what's the point, pastor? What's the point of worship? Let me give it to you very quickly. You always become, I think it's my first point, throw it up there very quickly. You, listen, you become like what you worship. You always become what you worship. This is why God called you to be a worshiper, because the best thing that could ever happen to you is that you become more like him. Are you following what I'm saying? That you would be transformed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, watch this, that you will, uh, when you see him, you will be like him. And while that's prophetic, hallelujah, you can apply that right now. Spiritually speaking, the more you see him, the more you become like him. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And so you're always going to become like that which you worship. Can I submit to you that it is possible for you to minister to people and not minister to God? 
I said it is possible for you to minister to people and not minister to God. And if I had time, I will take you to Ezekiel 44, hallelujah. I won't unpack this uh, right here, but it goes on to say that when the people of God went astray, uh, the, 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 the men of Zadak, uh, these men who were separated for the work of the sanctuary, would bring God an offering and minister before him. In other words, the priority is for you to minister to him first. And if you do not do that, it is possible to minister to people and not minister to God. You know, we read Psalms like Psalm 100. I love Psalm 100 because Psalm 100 challenges us, watch this, to come to God with rejoicing, to come to God with singing. And, and we read all these uh, scriptures, Psalms, poetry in the Bible that challenges us to, to dance for God. Amen. But it's amazing to me how sometimes we'll treat the, the poetry of the Bible different than the narratives in the New Testament. Yeah, 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 because we're used to reading narratives and sentences and paragraphs, and we hear the words of Christ, and we have no problem doing what he said. But when we hear poetry like David, the psalmist, who says things like, uh, uh, come to God with dancing. See, we go ahead and we sing about dancing, but we stand still. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. We, we talk about, watch this, falling apostrate and... and uh, face down before God and we remain standing. It's like, it's like we, we don't, we're not to listen to that instruction. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. How many of you know uh, that thanksgiving and praise, you don't have to feel it to do it? I said when it comes to thanksgiving and praise, you don't necessarily have to feel it in order to do it. That's why the Bible says offer up unto God a sacrifice of praise. That means, hallelujah, that you don't have to necessarily feel it. And even though you don't feel it, you should still do it. Are you following what I'm saying? But I've heard people say, you know what? I don't want to praise God when I don't feel like it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. But can I submit to you that if you only praise God when you feel like it, you're being a hypocrite. God, help me in here. And I will submit to you that the best time to praise God is when you don't feel like it. Because when you praise God, when you don't feel like it, what you're doing is recognizing that he is Lord. You recognize who the Lord really is. And so you give him a sacrifice of praise. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to reduce it to my, to my trusty feelings. Because how many of you know that feelings really can't be trusted? They're unreliable. They come and they go. So I'm not going to reduce worship to be feeling driven. The devil is a liar. Worship actually is the expression. Amen. So understand, watch this, hallelujah, that in worship the expression is not the sacrifice. So when I praise God, the expression is the sacrifice. When I praise God, the expression is the sacrifice. When I worship God, I'm the sacrifice. This is why the Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. When you worship, you become the offering. Hallelujah. If you're in here, shout glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And so watch this. So I said all that to say this. Sometimes we thank God. And we praise God in church and do not worship. Now, while you can't really separate praise and worship, I will submit to you that they're not the same. One leads you to the other. Are you following what I'm saying? So it is possible for you to thank God, praise him, and never really worship. And so watch this. You come to celebrate him, but you don't behold him. Okay, let me see if I can help you understand that. That's like you going to a party, celebrating at the party, dance at the party, sing at the party, and never have a conversation with the host of the party. And after you done hung out with everybody and danced with everybody and sang with everybody, uh, something should draw you to the one who invited you to the party in the first place because it is at that point where a real exchange actually takes place. Amen. And if you never get to that place, you leave the house the same way you came in. 
Ah, are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. Mm. Put my next point up there very quickly. You trust what you worship. Oh, boy. I said you trust what you worship. Show me Psalm 115 and verse 8. I wish I could read the whole thing, but I don't have that kind of time. Psalm 115 and verse number 8 very quickly. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to what it says. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Now, uh, Psalm 115, hallelujah, God is talking about false idols. And he's talking about these things made out of wood and made from man's hands. And he says, they have eyes, but they don't see. They have hands, but they don't handle. They have feet, but they cannot walk. And then he concludes by saying, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusted in them. So you have to understand, hallelujah, uh, what I'm trying to say uh, by this particular point that I just read to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You trust what you worship. If it's money that you worship, that's what you trust. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Oftentimes when you read your Bible and you find the word idolatry, you're also going to find the word adultery, usually in the same sentence or in the very next sentence. Oftentimes in your Bible, especially in the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Why, why is that? It is because adultery is in the physical what idolatry is in the spiritual. And what is it at the end of the day? It is a betrayal of devotion. I said it is a betrayal of devotion. And so watch this. Trust is an expression of worship. Are you in this place, church? Listen, we have ministry. Watch this. We have ministry to the Lord. We have ministry to believers. And we have ministry to the lost. And I will say that our ministry to the lost is the most urgent. But our ministry to the Lord is the most important. And I will submit to you that if we get number one right, number one will make number two and number three easier. You will become better at doing number two and number three if you just get ministering to the Lord right. God, help me in this place. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, I heard an illustration about someone who said uh, that they couldn't make God number one because they were so in love with their wife. Are you following what I'm saying? They, they, they were actually idolizing their spouse. What they do not understand is that when you love God first, watch this, your capacity broadens to love your spouse better. In other words, if you love God first, you'll love your spouse better. Are you in this place, church? I wish I had somebody to say, I know that's right. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. When you trust the Lord, you can worship him in pain. Ay, ay, ay. People who do not trust the Lord have a hard time worshiping God when they're in pain. But when you trust the Lord, you can be in pain and worship God. When I think about men like Job, when I think about men like David, who lost family members, Job losing all his sons in one day, and, Job, and, and David losing his son, who he prayed for for about seven days with fasting, and then lost his son anyway. You know, somebody could easily, watch this, who does not trust the Lord, uh, go to fasting and praying, and because they didn't get the results they wanted, give up. Are you following what I'm saying? But the Bible says that these two men, upon hearing, you got to catch this, upon hearing, Job, upon hearing that his sons died and he lost all his money, fell on his face in worship. David, after seven days and the kid dies, he washes himself, goes to the temple, and he worships. And they give, in my opinion, the ultimate worship. The ultimate worship. It's, 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 it's a trust that belongs to a person, watch this, who takes an opportunity to give God the kind of worship on the earth they'll never be able to give God in heaven. Yeah, you're not, okay. Uh, because understand this, hallelujah, while we're going to worship, it, worship him in heaven, we won't worship him like that. Because in heaven there won't be no pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In heaven, there won't be no confusion. Hallelujah. In heaven, there won't be no sorrow. Are you following what I'm saying? So when they, when they experience this, these men who trust the Lord take sorrow, 
put it in their censer. God, help me in here. They take pain. They put it in their censer. They take the confusion of what they don't understand. They put it in the censer, and then they put it in the fire and let that worship come up before God as a sweet-smelling aroma that you can only give God while you're on the earth because you'll never be able to give it to him while you're in heaven. It is the ultimate worship. Can anybody worship God while you're in pain and when you're going through? Hallelujah. Ah, Jesus. Woo. A lack of revelation on worship is costing us. Let me just say that one more time. A lack of revelation on worship. I'm not saying a lack of songs. I said a lack of revelation on worship is costing us. And let me just, it's costing us a lot, but I don't have time to unpack that. Let me give you at least two things that it is costing us. Amen. It is costing us resources, provision, and it is costing us advancement. It is costing us progression. Amen. The text that I read, hallelujah, without getting too deep into it, uh, understand that God is calling Abraham up to a mountain. He's calling him to go yonder to worship, and the worship is a journey. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? You know, we know him as Jehovah Jireh, but you have to understand that the name of that mountain is Jireh. Are you following what I'm saying? And God is calling him, watch this, to a higher place. And so when you understand that worship is a journey, as he elevates up that mountain, when he gets to the top, provision manifests. Are you following what I'm saying? And so watch this. You have to understand that when you elevate in worship, when you grow in your revelation of worship, and you accept the challenge to come up higher, there will be provision waiting for you on the top. God, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. God separated a ram for this moment. Notice that God did not call the ram to Abraham. See, you're waiting for the blessing to come to you. You're going to be waiting a while. (laughs) Because he sent the blessing to the place you're supposed to be. God, help me in here. He said, go up to the mountain. And the blessing is coming to the place you're supposed to be. God, help me in this place. It, 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 I, I picture that text like this. I picture Abraham going up this side of the mountain, and while he's going up this side of the mountain, I see the ram on the other side coming up the mountain. Hallelujah. Because God sent the ram to the mountain. Hallelujah. Uh, God, which leads me to my next point. Put it up there very quickly. Hallelujah. Uh, this is just to remind you that this is what we're talking about. All right? Worship is a journey. Some things only happen on tops of mountains. I said, some things only happen on tops of mountains. Listen, what you're waiting for should not be the blessing to come to you. What you're waiting for is instruction. If you receive instruction and move on that instruction, you will never be without provision. I said, if you receive instruction and know how to move on instruction, you will never be without provision. Provision. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. God has a blessing that he's not sending to you. (laughs) It's for you, but he's not sending it to you. He's sending it to the place you're supposed to be. Let me give you another example. Let me put substance under that. Elijah, go to the brook called Cherith. Amen. For I have already spoken to the ravens. And they're bringing you food, provision. And they're not bringing it to you. They're bringing it there. Where's there? The brook. Go to the brook, watch me now, for I have already spoken to the ravens. In other words, I spoke to your provision before I spoke to you. And your provision started moving before you. And it's not coming to you, it's coming to the place. God, help me in this place. So you have to move to the next place God has for you if you're going to tap into that provision. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Do I got any football fans in the house? Hallelujah. I was watching a game just the other night between uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Chargers and Philip Rivers, who is the quarterback of the Chargers, watch this now, threw this amazing third down pass that blew my mind. He did what most commentators call threading the needle in between two defenders. But the thing that blew me away, and it's going to minister 
it to you in a minute, was the route of the receiver. Because the receiver had to start outside, right? And then he had to come back in. And then the camera gave us an aerial view, an aerial view, so you could really see what happens, right? So they show Philip Rivers drop back. He has the ball. The ball represents the blessing. He releases the ball. Watch this. While the man is still running out. In other words, I'm not sending the blessing to you. I'm sending it where you're supposed to be. So it's important for you to follow instruction and run the route. Watch this. While the ball is in the air, going to where it's supposed to be, the man who followed instructions began to turn back in. And the ball landed when he got to the spot. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? God help me. I'm sending your provision to the place you're supposed to be. If you stay here, you miss it. Are you blessed in here? So watch this. Don't stall your provision for the sake of people. This is why Abraham told the ones that were with him, you stay here with the donkeys. Because if you're not ready to go where I'm going, you are not going to keep me here on your level. I'm not going to miss my ram in the bush for friends with donkeys. I said, I'm not going to miss my ram in the bush over friends with donkeys. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? I hear God saying, elevate your worship and you'll see your provision, hallelujah, in 2019. Do I got some worshipers in the house? Y'all going to make me get happy by myself, hallelujah. Let me put it to you another way. When he says that to his friends, here's what I hear God saying. I think it's my next point. Hallelujah. Put it up there very quickly. There will never be elevation until you accept your separation. There will never be elevation until you accept your separation. If he don't separate from them, he stays there. Which means he won't go up that mountain. And so there won't be any elevation if you don't accept your separation. If you are not willing to leave some people behind to go where God is calling you to go. And you have to understand God will use a mentor as an invitation to take you higher. But Satan will use a man, hallelujah, to keep you locked up in a certain place. And so it matters who you have in your life and who you are listening to. Amen. And if they're not challenging you to go higher, they might not be right for you. You can usually tell what people are concentrating on by who they confide in. Can I be transparent in here? Hallelujah. Sometimes I have to walk, because how many of you know leadership can be lonely? Sometimes I have to walk as though I know people won't be there always for my own protection. Why? Because people don't need my permission to change. People just change. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And you have to guard your heart. So let me ask you a question in here. Are your associations compromising your adoration? Are your associations compromising your adoration? The company you keep could be affecting your worship. Mm -hmm. Amen. But here's what you need to understand. Whatever God challenges you to leave, the reward will be greater than what you lost. I said, whatever God challenges you to leave, the reward will always be greater than that which you lost. Can I get an amen in this place? I've learned, hallelujah, throughout the years that sometimes you have to trust the voice you know, even over the future you do not. I said, you have to trust the voice you know, which is the voice of the Lord, the voice of the shepherd over the future that you're uncertain of, especially at the time. Are you following what I'm saying? Amen. Hallelujah. And so watch this, God will separate you. He will challenge you. He will, I think I'm in, I begin to talk about this a little bit while we were exhorting, hallelujah, on Wednesday night, just came out of me, amen. Uh, but I, I, I felt like God is saying, or challenging, especially this house, uh, for the next year by saying, I'm weaning you, I'm weaning you, amen. I'm weaning you to another place in worship, amen, somebody. Uh, you, you know that when you wean a child, for those of you who are mamas, you know that when you wean a child, hallelujah, the child don't like it. <laughs> the, the child don't like it because the child starts looking for that which it misses. 
Amen. But God is saying, listen, don't cry over what I have rejected because I have another way I'm going to feed you. God, help me in here. And I have another place upon which I'm going to use to feed you. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? In other words, don't stay stuck to a system that's dried up. You'll stay in a system that's dried up, that God is done with. God's ready to take you to another place, and you're still trying to pull from that system, talking about what's going on. I can't get nothing out of this anymore. It's because it's over. That season is over, hallelujah. And I pulled you away from that because I have another place I want to use to, come on somebody, to feed you from. Ah, God, help me in this place. But people usually want to stay where they started. The way you started is not usually where you stay. And, I, and I'm not speaking geographic. I'm speaking spiritually. Amen. You got to come up higher to another place. Uh, when we're talking about Samuel, I don't want to get into this, but when you talk about Samuel, he was a baby. God said, watch this, let the mama wean him. After he is weaned, let him come to the temple. Because I'm not going to use anybody greatly in my house until they've been weaned. Until you've reached a place where you no longer need milk. But you're ready, hallelujah, to start eating some bread and then hopefully some meat. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Then I can really begin to use you in a powerful way. Amen. And in essence, what God is saying is before you needed your nutrients, you needed to get it from without. But I'm going to show you on how to get that thing to start flowing from within. And out of your belly shall flow. Amen, somebody. If you're blessed, shout glory in here. Glory. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I'm going fast, but that's because I have to. <laughs> so I hope you're either taking notes or you plan on getting the CD. Amen. When we're talking about, can I get a little deeper now? When we're talking about worship, we cannot start that conversation without talking about, watch this now. And I, I don't know that a lot of people correlate this word to worship, but I am. Watch this. Submission. Without Submission. Let me, let me, you have not worshiped until you learn how to bow. Are you following what I'm saying in here? And, and if you, if, if, if you worship, even though it can't be done, if, if you worship without bow, bowing, all you did was sing. I said all you did was sing. And what, what I mean by bowing is a person who has a heart that is submitted unto God. If you, if you don't sing with a heart that is submitted, bowing. Unto God, all you did was sing. Worship without bowing is, is merely giving God a compliment. And God's not insecure. He don't need you to tell him how cute he is. He knows. <laughs> I said he knows. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Oh, God. You can praise. Watch this now. You can praise and give God thanksgiving. Or you can praise by thanksgiving, but you can only worship through submission. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If I'm out on the street and a, and a homeless individual, a poor individual, comes to me and asks me for money, amen, and I give him money, he can thank me. And he can even appreciate what I have done for him. But it doesn't require anything else. After that, he can walk away and there is no other requirement. But worship requires more. Worship requires that one submits. And listen, it ain't submission until you have to do it. Because, you know, people be like, I'm submitted. I'm submitted until you're challenged <laughs> to have to submit, hallelujah, and do something you're not necessarily 100% in agreement with. And so it's not submission until you have to do it. Amen. And I will submit to you, get Romans 10 and 3 up on the screen very quickly. I will submit to you that if your righteousness is based on what you do rather than who he is, you have a religious spirit. I said, if your righteousness is based on what you do rather than who he is, you have a religious spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Watch this. For they being ignorant of God's what? Righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Therefore, you have a religious spirit built on establishing your own righteousness based on what you do. Yeah. Amen. Are you with me so far? 
No one wants to submit naturally. If it was that easy, it wouldn't be transformational. This stuff you got to do by faith sometimes. Are you hearing me? It takes strength on your part to be able to do it. But when you do do it, hallelujah, oh, it unlocks the power of God in your life. I said it unlocks the power of God in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. I think about, and since it's Christmas time, this is appropriate. Hallelujah. I think about those wise men. You know them. They come from afar off. Now, which I don't have time to unpack this, but you, you know these men. They're not just uh, astrologers. They're astronomers. Amen. And they're wealthy. I, I wish I had time. Hallelujah. We, we, we refer to them, especially from the Hispanic community, as kings, but they weren't necessarily kings. The Bible says they were wise men. Kings hired them. Kings paid them to, to, to give them the times based on what they saw when they looked up. Are you following what I'm saying in here? So these men were, these men were wealthy. Kings paid them. Are you following what I'm saying? These, these men travel from far. These are not men that waste their time. These men travel from far, watch this, to find the newborn king. When they get there, when they get there, the first thing they do is that they bow. The first thing, hallelujah, put my next point up there. I think it's the next point. I hope it is, hallelujah. Bowing unlocks treasure and revelation. I said bowing, again, talking about a submitted heart, unlocks treasure and revelation. The Bible says, watch this, that the first thing, listen, what they saw, what they came to, remember, mind you, these are wealthy men. They travel in bands. They travel in entourage. Watch this. They get to a, 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 a manger that's dirty, filthy, stinky. Hallelujah. They see a few people there and a baby. And the first thing they do is they bow. Wise men still bow. Wise men still worship. The Bible says, hallelujah, watch this, that when they worship, they open their treasures. Now, what you have to understand, I wish I had time, but what you have to understand, hallelujah, is that because they traveled with a lot of money, they had special locks, those, even those days, to, to make it difficult for you to open the treasure. And they had some kind of code, not like ours today, but something similar perhaps, in order to open the treasure. Amen? When you read this in the original, it almost reads that when they worship, their treasures opened. You see, that's hard for us to comprehend so that we have to, we have to make it understandable and say when they have worshiped, they opened their treasure. But I'm going to submit to you, hallelujah, that when you learn how to worship, treasure is opened. Help me in here, hallelujah. Not only is treasure unlocked, that which is in you. See, a lot of you, watch this, have stuff that's locked up because you don't know how to bow. I said some of your stuff is still locked up because you still have not bowed. Are you following what I'm saying? But bowing opens it up, unlocks it, unlocks the treasure that's on the inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not only does it unlock treasure, it unlocks channels of revelation. I said it unlocks channels of revelation because all of a sudden, hallelujah, the Bible says that in a dream, God spoke to them and told them, I want you to leave a different way than you came. And so you have to understand, hallelujah, that that's all coming as a result of bowing. It's coming from a result of worship. Treasure is being unlocked, hallelujah, and channels of revelation is being opened, hallelujah. And when those channels are opened, hallelujah, your enemy is always going to be confused about where you're going. Because God's going to keep talking to you in the night. He's going to keep talking to you, hallelujah, about where it is that he needs you to go next. He's going to keep the enemy guessing, hallelujah. Do I got any worshipers in the house? I hope I got more, hallelujah, than the few that are in the first two rows of this house, hallelujah. Because God might just challenge you to give them some before it's all said and done. Amen, somebody. Woo. Worship. Can I take it a little deeper? You can be up here. You can be gifted. You can be talented and not worship. As a matter of fact, you could be gifted and captive. I said you could be gifted and captive. And I will submit to you that your anointing will not connect with your gift. Watch this now until your captivity has been dealt with. Because you have to be free to be effective. 
said you have to be free in order to be effective. You can sing real nice, but somebody's demons ain't leaving. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Hallelujah. I know it's gloomy outside, but it don't have to be gloomy in here. We're talking about worship. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot be a worshiping rebel. I'm a rebel. You ain't no worshiper. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. Because if you don't know how to submit, you ain't really worshiping. You cannot be a worshiping rebel. Amen. You can't be dishonorable. You can't be a smart aleck worshiper. And I say it like I feel it. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus. When you read the Psalms, hallelujah, throughout the Psalms, you're going to see a demand for bodily expression. For bodily expression. You know, a lot of us like to use worship as an excuse not to express ourselves. So we'll say, no, praise you, express yourself, worship, you don't have to. But I will submit to you that oftentimes, even in your scripture, your scripture will show you different. If I had time, I would take you to uh, Exodus 17, where Moses goes up on the mountain and tells Joshua to go fight against the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Moses is lifting his hands. It is an expression that is physical, that is connecting, watch this, to a spiritual manifestation. Because the Bible says that while his hands are up, so you sit there and act cute. If he could just say, my hands are up spiritually. No, they're not. Okay? It's not until he lifts him. It's not until he lifts his hands, which is a posture of worship. Come on, somebody. That the Bible says that there is a correlation, and now Joshua is advancing and he's winning. And when his hands go down, Joshua starts to lose. And so watch this. It didn't have nothing to do with Joshua's giftedness. It had everything to do with Moses' worship. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And so there is a correlation between the physical and the spiritual. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Hmm. I'm running out of time, but not message. You cannot be a person who does not like to be told what to do and be called a worshiper. Because God will challenge you to worship. He'll even command you to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's not optional. He said those are the two. That's one of the two greatest commandments. Are you following what I'm saying in here? If you were here on Wednesday, basically what he's saying is I command you to love me. I command you to love me. You know, we had fun with that on Wednesday because I said that, that would be awesome if I could do that, right? If I could just do that whenever I wanted to, hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Sharice could be a little upset at me, and I'll just go, I command you to love me. <laughs> you go up to that boss who's not treating you right, you storm into that office, you say, I command you to love me. And throw in a little raise while you're at it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Amen. God have mercy. Show me 2 Chronicles 12 and 14. I got 10 minutes. Somebody shout, you could do it. 2 Chronicles 12 and 14. I believe it's my next point too. Hallelujah. And he did evil. Talking about Rehoboam, the king of Israel. And he did evil because, watch this now. Why did he do evil? He prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So what's my next point? Put it up there. I hope I got it right. Where there is no bowing, there is the invitation for evil. Where there is no bowing, no submitted heart unto God, there is the invitation for evil. He did evil because he was not bowing. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Mm. You have to go to another level in worship pre-promotion. I can get one amen right there. Hallelujah. And I thought I was going to get a few because I thought that was pretty good. You... You have to go to another level in worship pre-promotion. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. Some of us are waiting to get promoted to go to another level in worship. And that promotion may take a while. 
And why? Why? Because you're going to make the mistake that a lot of people make, hallelujah, and you're not going to see a breakthrough because you've become bored with the presence of God. I said you become bored. You become familiar. Some of you grew up in church. If you're not careful, you become familiar with the presence of God. Amen. Get bored in his presence and you won't go the extra mile, hallelujah, to prepare your heart to seek the Lord pre-promotion and get stuck. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. This is where praise comes in because praise helps you. See, you, you endure in praise. God, help me in here. Until you get to worship. Amen, somebody. You, you, you endure long enough to see him. But worship wants to be like him. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, if you're, I need the church to understand this. But we, you need to be praying for those that are up here. Because they are considered psalmists. They're considered uh, those that are responsible for helping you get into the presence of God. Amen. And you have to understand that Satan's attack on them is not necessarily the same attack that he uh, sends to everybody else. There's a certain attack that Satan sends to those that are up front. Amen. Uh, their attack is similar. To, can I be real in here? Their attack is similar to my attack. Why? Because we both serve as stabilizers. You see, because both of us have the responsibility of focusing a people. So could you imagine how bad it would be to have distracted psalmist, a distracted pastor? And so Satan attacks them, watch this, specifically to distract them. And I, I don't have time to unpack it, but if I did have time, I will take you through scriptures and show you two particular attacks that psalmists get. And one of them would be, watch this inconsistency the attack of inconsistency god help me in here to the psalmist to distract him god help me in this place are you hearing what i'm saying and then the second one you ready for me perversion in an attempt to distract them and those two watch this now those two attacks or temptations testify about how gifted they are and that's why those specific attacks are coming to them. Are you here, church? Hallelujah. Mm. They're coming to them because they are a guide to the glory. I said they are a guide to the glory. And so watch this. If your character is not acting right, you're depleted. If your character is not acting right, you're depleted. What that means is that you've already gone several days outside of the presence of God. And you can't afford it. Are you? God, help me in here. I said you cannot afford it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Two days outside of the presence of God is two days too much. Can I just submit to you? I am scared of what I would look like without worship. Y'all not saying nothing in here. So I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to just talk about me. I am scared of what I would look like without worship. Because I don't care how cute you are. If you go at least two days or more without worship, you're going to start getting ugly. I, I, let me submit to you, hallelujah. Some of the ladies probably could relate to what I'm talking about. Some of the ladies who, don't, who, who won't leave the house without makeup. Come on, somebody. You won't leave the house without makeup. But let me, let, me, let me just submit to you. If you leave the house without worship, hallelujah, I don't care how much of that stuff you got on, you still could get ugly. You can be ugly. I don't know about you, but I'm scared of what I would look like. Without, without worship, amen, you won't, have the, you won't have the energy to be victorious. I, I love when the psalmist said, you know, thy word have I hidden in my heart so I will not sin against you. But let me submit to you, hallelujah, you won't have a word to hide in your heart if that heart is not submitted unto God. And so what you got, you, what you got to understand, hallelujah, about the word, watch what it says. You, thy word have I hidden. The, the original language is the word buried. Thy word have I buried in my heart. Hallelujah. So one thing you got to understand about the word when you receive it is that it digs. I said that word digs and it begins to dig stuff out of your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. So your heart can remain submitted. 
are you in this place? Let me help you in here. Your worship will be tested. I said your worship will be tested. The problem with us is that we think it's going to be tested on Sunday. And it's not going to be tested on Sunday while you're up here singing. It's going to be tested on Monday. It's going to be tested on Tuesday. And that's why you need a word of God to start digging immediately. Immediately. Hallelujah. Because it may have blessed you on Sunday, but that thing don't start changing you to about Monday. Somebody shall preach, Pastor. Talk back to me. Say something. Hallelujah. I've worked hard on this thing. Hallelujah. Let me try to let me try to land the plane. Hallelujah. It's music appreciation. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, God is amazing. Hallelujah. Because He ordained music. It, it is the only thing that did not originate on the earth. Just in case you didn't know that. It, it, music did not originate on the earth. Amen. So understanding that we could we could say that God's music is eternal. That's why worship is so powerful. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And I don't know if you were here. I, I did a study once with you guys on music. I, I'm not going to get into it. Hallelujah. But I, I taught you how music is comprised of three things, which was the melody, the rhythm, and the lyrics. The melody, the rhythm, and the lyrics. And music is so powerful. Watch this. It has the ability to enter you without permission and write messages on your heart that will make you wonder later, how in the world did that get there? But that's how powerful music is. Go ahead to the department store and start hearing a song for over two minutes. And in two minutes, your head. And it doesn't even have to be a godly song, but it, it, it touches your memory. And all of a sudden, the 15-year-old song and the words start coming back to you. Because here, here's what you don't understand, and this is why I believe God loves to use music. Because music is for memory. You can remember things better with music. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing. I wish I could sing my sermons. Because you probably... <laughs> you, you know, we, we, we practice that from, from early age with children. A, B, C, D. You tell them just to remember those letters without the song. They're not going to remember, but teach them the song, and they'll get it like, like this. Amen? That's why I love the songs. Are you in this place, church? That melody will affect your emotions. Amen? That rhythm will affect your will, and the lyrics will affect your mind. Amen? You got to be careful what you're listening to. Amen? You, you cannot come in here. I got to close. You can't come in here on a Sunday and put the onus on the worship team. And, 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 and we do it. We make it their responsibility to usher us into the presence of God. And if God does not manifest, it was their fault. But I, I want to submit to you, just in case you do not know, that the veil has been torn. Be, because the veil has been torn, you don't need a priest to have access. You have access, so you can't put the responsibility on them. Now, we call them worship leaders, amen, but at the end of the day, they are assisting Jesus by reminding you that you have access. God, help me in here. If you're blessed, shout Glory. Come up here and play something because I just keep going. I love this subject. Amen, somebody. When you have real worship in the house, I think it's the next point. Hallelujah. Put the next point. Deliverance happens as a result of devotion. Let me help you in here. Listen, when you have real worship in the house, you don't need to separate deliverance to a separate department. You don't need a group and call them the deliverance team. When you have real worship going on in your house. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. That's why when King Saul was tormented by demons, they didn't call for a deliverance department. They called for a worshiper. 
I said they called for a worshiper. And a worshiper showed up, hallelujah, and the demons couldn't stay because the worshiper shifted the atmosphere. Are you in this place, church? Do I got any worshipers in the house? In other words, worship dealt with what King Saul could not deal with. Oh, God. Do you understand the power of worship? It'll deal with what you can't deal with on your own strength. Amen? What was tormenting them or him left through worship, not his power. This is why worship is so, so, so important. Amen? Oh, man, I got more, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right there. Let me just give you this last thing. Give me that next point. I think there's one more. Let me get that next point. Barrenness is the result of despising worship. But his presence is the place where things are birthed. Play something, guys. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you know the story of David carrying the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? After it was away for a long time. The ark represents the presence of God. He's bringing the presence of God back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he starts dancing. I mean dancing like a wild man. Until articles of clothing start falling off his body. Amen. I mean you want to talk about dancing hard. In the presence of God. And he's a king. So if anybody has an excuse to be a little bit dignified in front of everybody. It would be the king. But he took off his kingly garments and underneath them he had an ephod which is an outfit that only a priest wear but he since he's a type of Christ he is king priest and prophet and so he starts worshiping and his wife Michal looks out the window and says look at this guy look at the king embarrassing himself and the Bible says that he comes into the house and she says, what are you doing? You're the king. You're not supposed to be doing that. And he said, woman, and I paraphrase, I ain't dancing for you. I'm dancing for the king. And the Bible says from that day forward, she was barren. Because she despised a worshiper, her womb closed. And so you lose your ability to birth when you despise worship. But then you go to Isaiah 54 and it says, Shout aloud, O barren woman. And if you read the rest of that, it goes on to say, Because you can praise me in your barrenness, I'll open up your womb, watch this, and bless you to birth more than those that have been birthing from the beginning. You read Psalm 84, and all it talks about is the house of the Lord, the courts of the Lord. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere, and the courts of God, and the courts of God for about 12 verses. But then in verse number 3, it says something crazy. It says, the sparrow builds its nest on the house of the Lord and births her young. And it has nothing really to do with the context, but it does. Because it is illustrating for us that the presence of God is the place where things are birthed. If you receive the word of the Lord today, come on, give him praise in here. Come on, give him a good praise offering in here. Stand to your feet, hallelujah, and just lift those hands.